from MZ Studios in Dallas, Texas, you're listening to the Tennis Revolution Podcast. Oh, we're doing it live, all right. <laughs> this weather every has, week. This weather has turned. We have nothing else to do except hide. That's right. Midweek, it was m- midweek. I thought we were gonna have a blizzard. <laughs> shelves are empty in Dallas. Yeah, we've had crazy. I mean up the and down shelves. Weather. I mean the shelves that have the playoff victories for the Cowboys, not the <laughs> grocery store shelves. Sorry. How dare you? I love it. <laughs> I think I hate the Cowboys more than I hate you. So instead of making That's fun saying of you, a lot. instead of making fun of you, I make fun of your dumb team. <laughs> Even in the off season, I don't get a break. Well, the upside is it's this is never the off season for you. You have probably catalog games from tw- 20, <laughs> 2019, 2020 season. That's right. Uh, you haven't I'm watched, still analyzing. I don't even know what you're talking about. You haven't watched the Super Bowl yet, have you? Right, no. So. From what year? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. Uh, I, I wish. I mean, I make fun of you for it, as I should, as most anyone should. That's the number one reason you should not have Twitter. Um, because I will lead that charge against you, <laughs> but I do to some degree get a bit jealous because I can't do it. I think I, if I had to watch football live, I wouldn't watch football because I watched the Super Bowl and I was like, God, this game is really long. Of course, it was. It is longer than every other game, but it it's a lot longer when you're not fast forwarding, right? Um, even when you want to watch the ads in the Super Bowl, it's like, man, is this was this really worth four hours of my time, right? Well, in this case, it was a decent game, but not always. There was part of it that was worth my time. <laughs> you know, little J-Lo, little Shakira. Oh, yeah. You weren't in the, uh, by the way, vocal minority that didn't like that. By the way, and this is uh, no pun intended, but uh, Shakira is kind of a tease for this podcast. Oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, well, we're going to get to it. All right. So we certainly spent a fair amount of time being happy tennis was back all throughout January, leading to and then through the Australian Open. And then I was going to say, then what happens after that every year? Uh, but now what? <laughs> I wish I had a sound effect of something dropping off a cliff. Uh, because all the players are going to ride the momentum into nothing. As quick as it, as it uh, was upon us, it is now gone. Although I will say this, there, are, there were some goofy tournaments going on this week, and... I think I've got a new plan for Tennis Channel. Yeah. Now, they're going to need some coordination from some of these small tournaments all over the world, but they need to have tennis tournaments, like one like challenger to, one, to a 250 level, men or women, right? every week, but they need to have like 10 of them and spread them all across the globe at certain intervals of time. That right. way, whether you wake up at six in the morning, like I do, you've got lot. I've got. I'm watching a Mont- right. Montpellier, and I'm thinking to myself, Montpelier. Why are they playing in uh, Vermont so early? <laughs> Wait a minute, Montpelier, Vermont. Yes, Vermont. Let's go. You already lost me there. Uh, but Mont- that's the only Montpellier. I, yeah. Is, okay. I got you. No, I meant the Vermont one. I see. But I think that's the only selling point to tennis this time of year is that. It's it's on live, like you can watch live any time of day, or it should be, like you're saying. 
Because I do hear people say, oh, what do you mean? I like there's no offseason. I can turn on tennis anytime I want. Well, here's the thing. It doesn't have to be, oh, we need 250s every way. Right. No, 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 no. It, it's fine to not have 250s, maybe a 250, some random, because not everybody gets to qualify for all the bigger tournaments. So right. the players that are 100 you know, ish in the world need places to play and earn money and earn points. And so they go to the middle of nowhere, France, not Vermont, Montpellier. Not, <laughs> well, and by the way, that is correct pronunciation. I'm, oh, taking, I'm taking French lessons. Oh, and the more events you have going on at once, the more likely you are to have interesting matches. Like if you just have one tournament, it's a crapshoot whether you're going to get matches you like or don't like. If you've got multiple going on, they can pick the best ones to show. Yeah, and hopefully people can get over the fact that nobody you know is in it. Although, right. I mean, Gasquet, who's one of my favorite players, right. as, as this pod well knows, um, he, he was in Montpellier. Maybe he's from there. I don't know. <laughs> well, um, what I like about the Challenger or 250 is you get a lot of fading guys, Gasquet. Hey, well, hey, and, hey. He <laughs> brings it. up and coming that again, they may not qualify for a hundred because they've been injured. They're not old enough yet, or they're not good enough, or what, or they've they've struggled for a while. But you get to see those people that you know you have some connection to, or you know, or the future. There's a reason to watch them. If like you, we've talked about so many times, if the commentators give you a reason to be interested. <laughs> now that's a separate piece of the puzzle. We're going to assume that everyone hires us to do <laughs> the. Uh, well, maybe not do the actual matches because we'd be flying a lot. But I'm telling you, if we could, we could. It doesn't matter. The key is, like you said, you've got to paint the picture and tell the story of the match that's going on to give people a rooting interest or a piece right. of that match to hold on to and to judge that match by. And if you can do that, if the commentators can do that, then you can turn a seemingly mundane match with two quote-unquote nobodies into a compelling match because you know you know what you're looking for but even if that doesn't happen let's pretend it will happen and then it makes you know then it really does add a lot to the calendar if you have these kind of doldrum times right these dips in in the major the bigger tournaments and then you can have you know a bunch of tournaments dotted all over the world to give you potentially live tennis a good portion of the day, no matter what part of the world you're in. Right. Mainly I'm talking about America, but still. But that, you know, tennis just does a horrible job of that. Even in the slams, they might, there might be three or four matches they give you a good backstory on, but it's the most obvious ones like Nadal versus Djokovic, or, you know, the, the matches that we already know everything about those. Here's what's funny. We know that Nadal, Djokovic, Federer, to some degree, Murray, when he was 100% winning and starting, you know, and then Brian Brothers, to some degree. Right. Certainly Serena and Venus, and then, you know, maybe Sharapova back when she was a rival. Right. Those were people that obviously fans, you know, moved towards, but also brought in casual fans. What's funny is it seems like most of the tennis industry are casual fans. Right. They don't care about anyone. Now, I'll tell you. I'm sure some of these commentators, maybe they do know, and maybe they're getting pressure to not talk about some of these low-level players, but they should be ex as excited about some 120 guy in the world uh, who's not on the way down, who's on the way up, 
like Gasquet right. on the way up. Um, and then, you know, but it, it just seems like these people are all casual fans. All they care about are the big stories. Well, and I see that knows about. as the biggest problem in tennis in terms of viewership. And I'm going to go off on something briefly, but my wife has gotten into wrestling lately, like actual wrestling pro wrestling no wrestling <laughs> right not greco-roman yeah. olympic style but actually but what i mean by gotten into it i mean actually doing it not watching it but as a result of that i've gotten to meet a lot of pro so, wrestlers so she is actually in the ring throwing somebody around yeah or, me- or chairs or getting thrown around <laughs> you don't know i mean it's all you know whoever's the best i think i interviewed her oh did you yeah here i've got it right here <laughs> but to be the man you gotta beat the man, and I'm saying, "Woo, I'm the man." Her voice is a little deeper. She's gender. <laughs> she's gender neutral. She does, She just wanted to include Fluid. everybody there. So, <laughs> but, but one thing I've noticed in my brief interaction with pro wrestlers now is that what do they talk about every week? They talk about what's happening on TV, what wrestlers doing this, what person's doing this, and the amount of time they spend talking about pro wrestling at the highest level is huge compared to the amount of time recreational tennis players talk about pro tennis. Well, here, and here's the thing. You, you take the tennis channel. Yes, I understand wh- whether it be um, rights to tournaments. You know, maybe they don't have them all, so they can't, They you know, whatever, they have limitations and restrictions on what they can broadcast or what they can broadcast live. Fair enough. Right. Have not live tennis on. It's fine. Yeah. But you know what's always live? These players' Instagrams. Right. You know it's always easy to get them to put their face on Instagram <laughs> in such a way that Tennis Channel can broadcast it and make that part of their day-to-day programming. I mean, that... It, but it seems like... I. How many times have you seen the exact same bag check... From the same play, so like, many times, and I, that's and I don't watch commercials, and I've seen it. Here's the thing. Times. Here's what's creepy. I know what's in Madison <laughs> Key's bag right now. I could, I, if I saw her at a tournament, I know what's in her bag right now. I don't want to. Right. <laughs> well, first of all, that's the dumbest thing ever because they all have the same stuff in their bag. Well, listen, I don't think it's dumb. Well, I don't think it's dumb. I think it is the tip of the iceberg of the idea of what I'm talking right. about. Right. So if if they could get on Instagram and do it where another player or their coach is holding the phone so it's not all up in their mug yeah, and just, you know, do little personal, you know, uh, pieces like that all the time. right? And the best ones, a producer somewhere over there is making the decision for content. They decide which ones go up. Right. It, it's, you know, it, Americans, not American, whatever. It doesn't matter. You're the tennis channel. So do everybody. And if you're a hundred in the world and you're at some far flung now, I don't want you when you're, you know, shopping, you know, in the south of France or whatever at the beach, or I don't know, you don't shop at beaches, <laughs> but whatever. I don't shop or go to beaches, so I don't know. Maybe you do. But the idea is that you can promote players, they can promote themselves. Right. And it's real time live. But I don't know if they have the staff or the desire or whatever to do that. But it's if it's not live tennis on, it seems pretty stale most well, of the time. And you just used the word to keep the wrestling analogy going about 50% of time spent on wrestling. I'm not saying wrestling is better than tennis, but I'm just saying our promos where they promote themselves, they promote the match upcoming. They, that's what bag check is. Like you said, they're promoting themselves. I got more out of that Kenan 
video with Bethany Maddox Sands. Right. More of her personality than I've ever seen in watching 20 of her matches and those dumb ass, pardon my language, unbelievable post-game and pre-game interviews. I read an article this week that said, can we please get rid of the pre-match tennis <laughs> interviews? Well, and here's a, listen, I, listen, we had a person on this podcast who lives in, t- in DFW <laughs> uh, who does the, you know, post-match interviews right on the court. Um, I don't know if she does the pre-match ones ever, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, does she write those same four questions for every interview? I don't think so, actually. <laughs> I, I do think she does a better job. But I'm just teasing. But that's the it's the I'm same not, four questions every match. No, no, I'm not teasing. I don't want to disparage her. I mean, she's doing what the tournament wants. Right. Um, but I wonder, and I bet, I bet she has a ton of ideas on more creative ways and, right. and more um, you know useful ways to spend her and the player's time in those time periods. And uh, I think it would be better for the players because they don't care. No, and I get after the match. You want them to make a statement to the fans. It's, I mean, that the after the match one doesn't bother me as much. Right. The pre-match, Walking you, out, you know they're not going to say anything, first off. They're not going to reveal their strategy. Well, it, the best is when you have the person with a mic standing and then facing the player, and then over <laughs> the, the other player's player right shoulder, <laughs> you can see the opponent. And, and it's, it's like, yeah, I hate her. So yeah, you be, you be the player, I'll be the interviewer. So you've lost to this player the last six times you've played. What are you going to try to do differently tonight? Well, if I was me. Right? So <laughs> what, you didn't give me my role. What's my motivation? Yeah. Because I would say, who? Who? This dude behind me right here? Oh, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. Right. That would, that's me, but they, they give the canned answers all the time. They do because they know what question's coming. Well, like, that that's, the, that's the, it's so, so they give, so that's a big problem with tennis. You have no opportunity to showcase your personality. And so that's where I, I give it an F compared to wrestling, whereas wrestling, it's all about showcasing your personality. Obviously, it helps when the outcomes are predetermined, but, um, yeah, that's where tennis is not drawing people in at all. I'm like sorry. You said. What did you say, sir? <laughs> what did you? My wife's gonna kill me. <laughs> that's what. That's what I heard. I don't buy it. I don't buy. Strike. It. Can we edit that out? Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's just they don't give any opportunities in tennis, and they make everybody. I know these players aren't robotic and stale and boring, but they make the vast majority of them seem that way. Right. Um just because they don't give them the opportunities. Right. I guarantee if you broke into somebody... No, that's not a good idea. But if you <laughs> if you busted into somebody's Instagram account or whatever, dealing with their peers or family well, They friends, should share a lot more of those videos on the broadcast. So we should get somebody to hack into everybody's... <laughs> no, I mean, they're public... I guarantee their Instagrams are more exciting than the interviews that we're getting, you know, especially for the Tsitsipas, Osaka, those people that are really, you know, into social media. When I don't have a problem with saying, hey, put this together on your Instagram for the Tennis Channel promos. Right. And I don't mean put together one about you that we use for the rest of eternity. I mean, where are you at right now? You know, have have them con- contact, you know, like uh, Montpellier. By the way, that is how you say it. Once <laughs> again, I, I hope. I'm selling it because nobody listens. I believe those. you. Uh, you know, but you could contact in Montpellier, uh, the one seed. This gives you an idea of why we're not talking about this. <laughs> uh, the one seed was Monfils. Have you heard of him? Well, that's not a bad one He's seed. A one seed by wild card. Yeah. Uh, who is this guy? David Goff- Goff- <laughs> Goffin? 
Goffin. So it's the all French field or Belgian Something. close. Yep, French speaking field. He uh, so he's the two. So there you have it. But but anyway, but you you can't. No, nah, not go. I definitely rather contact Monfils. I don't think <laughs> Goffin would be a fun follow there. But anyway, so you contact his people and say, hey, anything you want to send us throughout the tournament, you know, at us, you know, on it. Right. It, you know, send it out, but include Tennis Channel or Tennis Water Promos, whatever. That's what I'm do. saying. Let the people promote themselves. Well, let them do it so it's live. It's during the tournament. It's in in the locker room before you. How how much better is Monfils on Instagram in the locker room before he goes into the hallway to get that dumb interview to go out right. to the court than he is getting that dumb interview? It's like I want a video like Rocky where the tr- the coach is sitting there talking to the player. And again, I know I they're not going to give away the strategy, yeah. but that's a much more meaningful interaction, even if they're just sitting there putting on tape and you know right shoes that to me is more interesting than listening to them talk right. beforehand saying nothing i have noticed you have trouble putting on your shoes so i can see <laughs> i need to learn from seeing uh but yeah i just velcro I, is your friend. i feel like there's so many more things they could do in the pre-match post-match when that boring 10 minute warm-up period that that they have also that they're gonna that they're gonna show what matches have they played so far this tournament right Dude, that should be the the top five shots of Monfi's career should be broadcast right before his match. That'll make me interested to watch. I want to see if he's going to hit shots like that, you know, before he plays. Right. So anyway, we just fixed the tennis channel. Thank you. You're <laughs> welcome. Once again, give us the keys to whatever it is and we'll fix it. All right. So this week we had Montpellier and I just gave you the seeds. So not, you know, it's 250. So, you know, it's something. Right. Uh, hard court. And then we have um, Cordoba, which is not a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> Although, it's a good name for one, don't you think? I'm sure it is one somewhere. So that's a 250, and that's on red clay, because I think the Sunshine Slam is another clay slam. Am I right? <laughs> oh, no, wait. Yeah. Oh, it's only two dumb tournaments. And they go back to, so they go back to hard court in R- a few weeks for no reason. But wait, they only play one of the Sunshine Slam tar- uh, tournaments if they follow our That's right. Australian Open series. There is no Slam, Sunshine Slam. Indian Wells is in November leading into the Aussie Open. And then they have, um, I don't even know how you, Poon, 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 I don't know how you say Pune, it. I think it's actually Pune. Pune. And that's a hard court uh, in India and also uh, a 250. And uh, apparently the calendar... Is sexist because it's all ATP, <laughs> or the women are smart, one or the other, and they're chilling. So that's that's sort of those tournaments are kind of, you know, I think um, Monfils might be the highest ranked player in all three of those. I would I would venture to say so, but that's all right. I mean, you know, again, if a tournament can make money and players want to go play it, right? Hey, grow the game. Well, and it's whatever. like it's still the highest ranked the best top-ranked tennis that city can see. So, I mean, that's we can relate to that here because that's something that, I mean, if you're going to see somebody in person, that's your that's your only option. So you're going to see the best players you can see. So speaking of local tennis, the best players we could see in Dallas <laughs> play for TCU. <laughs> um, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Francis Tiafo was here. <laughs> that's right. Right? Yes. Um. So we have the... We drove the, off uh, Jack Sock with our podcast. I he was so. supposed to be here. I mean, I hope so. <laughs> um, so we have the Dallas Challenger, 
which has been going on for I don't know fifteen years at least something like I that. I think it's I think it may be twenty. Whoa! I think it's actually over twenty. Man, it's got to be one of the longest running challengers in America. I think like Urbana's been around for a while, <laughs> and it's gotten progressively bigger in terms of prize money. I don't know about attendance, but well, I think that's just a function of inflation. And, and by the way, I want to call it by its proper name: the RBC Tennis Championships of Dallas. They don't sponsor the show, right? That's true. <laughs> but you call you know I'm just teasing, just kidding. It is funny to me how stadiums want to be called certain. Like they're not paying me any money. I'll call it whatever I want. Right. You know, <laughs> right? Call it right. Cowboy Stadium. AT and T's not paying. I'm paying them. I should get to call it whatever I want. All right, so. Let me give you a rundown of ticket prices to give you an idea. So the morning, two sessions, a.m., p.m., this is for the Dallas Challenger, and I'm going to finish this off with asking how much you attended, so start (laughs) thinking about lives. Remembering. So a.m. session, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, $20. P.m. session, $25, $25, $30, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The prices go up a bit. Thursday, because, you know, we're getting down to the old nitty-gritty there. So a.m. sessions, 40. P.m. sessions, 35. Friday, 30 and 35. Saturday, 40 and 45. And then Sunday, there's only a p.m. session, as you might imagine, 50 bucks a ticket. And that's actually increased over the last few years, which, I mean, everything has. Right. But that's why I say they've gotten bigger. They've had to raise more money. They've, you know, in previous years, gotten bigger names. Nishikori was there a couple years ago. Isner and Kyrgios were actually there last year. So this year was a little bit of a letdown in terms right. of their star power, at least. Which, again, we've talked about shouldn't be the case, but star power is the biggest factor in tennis interest, seems to be, more so than level of play. Not if we were commentating. Right. We, we, we don't need stars. We can make it happen. But that's neither here nor there. So, did you or did you not attend? Because we encourage... People all across our listenership to support not only Grand Slams, not only Masters 1000s and ATP and WTA Tour, but also college tennis and, I mean, I guess college tennis would be below this, but, and the challenger level. Right. So every, yes, we do. Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> so every year that this tournament has been has been in existence and that I have known about it. I have gone. This year, I have not gone. Oh, my goodness. So, and again, it's a little bit scheduling conflicts and things, but it's just not, it doesn't have the same appeal to me that it once did for various reasons. But to me, it's just depressing that this is the best tournament we can get in Dallas, primarily. And it's not because of star power, you know, that I'm not going to use the same excuse that everybody will use. It's got to be, it's just the level of the tournament isn't what it should be, in my opinion. Do you mean the the level of the, like, keep the tournament as is and the level's not high enough within it, or it's not the proper level deserving of this um, over-entitled sports town? <laughs> no offense right. to your dumb cowboys. <laughs> no, I mean, I definitely, it needs to be a bigger event, but a bigger uh a higher profile event, but it also needs to, uh, it needs to be a bigger, I think for what it is, it needs to be bigger. So I think both statements are true. 
you know, they've got, they've, right. they've got, it's a challenger. So a challenger is a challenger, but to me, it's one of the highest prize money challengers, one of the longest running challengers. So that being said, it needs to be, you know, big time. Yeah, I, I, I agree with both points. Um, I've always thought that it's ridiculous that the biggest tournament we have in Texas is the Houston, no offense, to the Houston clay court tournament. Right. And to be honest... Green clay, I might add, <laughs> which no one respects. Well, and to be honest... Oh, they, they've changed it though, right? I think it has been yeah. red. But, but to be honest, even the field in that is a small step above the field in this. That's true. In terms of ranking. <laughs> That's true. I mean, you get one or two players, but then the rest are really the same guys. Well, how do you think we keep the winners American? <laughs> yeah, because if you take the top-ranked Americans, it's the same as the challenger. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I think, I think Kenan, Kenan is now the highest-ranked man as well. <laughs> uh, I would take her. I can't tell who that's an insult to. <laughs> Not Kenan. Everybody. Not Kenan. Um, but, yeah, I just... So I go there, I go in each year, get excited a couple weeks leading up to it. I try to keep up with who's going to be there and when it's going to be. And then I go there and I enjoy it, but it's sort of like going to a movie. Here's my analogy. You go to a movie that you're real excited about and you go in the theater and there's 25 people. Right. Well, you're like, you know, how good could this movie really be? Right. Uh, if there's only 25 people and then, you know. Well, I, listen, that might be how most people look at it. We shouldn't because we're supposed to be smarter than that. As far as it relates to tennis, we need right. to be, you know, you record Cleveland versus Detroit <laughs> football every year, but yet you can't. I No, but I'm I, saying that's the problem with tennis. Well, here's the thing. So we're going to confess something here because we care. <laughs> Today is actually Wednesday. Uh, Corey uh, just doesn't care about me or this podcast <laughs> or really, quite frankly, any of you. Right. Uh, so he's got prior engagements as I we do. do. So, uh, so we had to come in and record early. However, nothing about what we're talking about would have changed because what we have coming up in the second half of the show is the number one thing we were talking about this week. Right. But we want to talk about the challenger. And so ultimately you haven't gone yet. Right. Give me the percent chance that you'll go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. Uh, I mean, probably. for 50 bucks on Saturday, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. I mean, probably 25%. Ooh. Uh, I've got probably 0% chance. For yourself? Yep. I mean, I'm busy this weekend, so I can't go, so I'm limited, but 25% of those remaining days that I'm potentially available. Right. But again, what I mean by that is, yeah, we can talk about how we're, you know, better than everybody else and how we're more interested, but it is frustrating to go to an event and you get done and you text your friends, hey, did you see that match with so-and-so? No. You're the what, only what one. What challenger? You're the only one, yeah. And it, and that, but that is what I'm saying needs to change in tennis, but there's no easy way to change that. Right. Outside of just, I think it's a grassroots issue where clubs have to actually care about pro tennis, and they don't. Right. I mean, there's not a basketball club or a football club, are there football clubs, but where they're not talking about the Super Bowl or the NBA Finals or right. and yeah, we'll get a little talk about well, the Australian the Challenger. Isn't exactly no, but that's what I'm saying. It's it's just D League for basketball, too, right? It's too, but this it's is too, NFL Europe. <laughs> if you remember that, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It's the too Argonauts, far. All right, or is that Canada? <laughs> that's CFL, I think. Oh. Toronto, but that's too. Far, that's what I'm saying. It's too far down. Like I'm okay with it not being that talked about, but it's it can't be at a zero. Right. It's got to be at a three out of ten. It can't be at a zero out of ten right. to the point where. If you mentioned a Mavericks Timberwolves game, 
like people are going to know about it. If you mention a challenger, there's got to be 50% of tennis players in Dallas that don't even know what that is. And that's, that's the frustration. Everybody knows what the Australian Open is. Everybody knows what Indian Wells is. So I think there's that disconnect of how do you get people to care about more? Right. Right. Uh, that's something we'll have to tackle another day. Uh, certainly not today because we're not even going. So how can we? But I, I do think that's an area of this game that it's a lot easier for the USTA to bring pro tennis to you than you to get to the U.S. Open, right? Unless you're on the East Coast within you know six hour you know whatever radius. Uh, so, but yeah, that's something we definitely need to tackle. And fortunately, we have a test case right here in a major metropolitan area, a major. TV and radio market, right? Uh, you know, major tennis state, and they are they are making improvements. I mean, they've been on Tennis Channel the last couple of years. They're getting more exposure, but I think a lot of it is tennis needs to be tennis driven, right? As opposed to player driven, right? Because I guarantee you, myself included, I am less excited this year because the players are less exciting. Yeah. So I mean, and I'm not, and that's going to happen. Anything if Luca doesn't play, you know, if if LeBron doesn't play. There's going to be less interest in that game, but I'm saying the level drops too much when the players aren't there, well, more yeah. than it should. Well, we're an individual sport, so it's even magnified beyond what a team sport is. So yeah, because it's still like you, like I said earlier, it's still the highest level of tennis you can possibly see this year in DFW is this whole week, right? And that's the same for Montpellier and nice. Pune. I mean, they nice. you. <laughs> worldly. They've got to they got to get those people out to those events. Regardless of who's playing. All right. Well, here's the best news about all of it. We're done talking about it. <laughs> because now... Everybody's happy now. I wish I had a drum roll uh, drop on this uh, soundboard, but I don't. We have now what you've all been waiting for. We've been teasing it since I don't know when. Maybe a month. I was going to say. Well, we sort we've sort of... been talking about it for Before the years. Australian Open Series thing, but anyway. All right. So... Grab my trusty calendar here. So what we have, and you have a copy as well. I do. What we have in front of us is the 2020 calendar. Now, I use the WTA calendar because, well, why? Because I'm inclusive. That's why. <laughs> I don't care about men's tennis, and it's stupid. And the men suck. American men suck. So we gave you – now, this calendar doesn't match our calendar because we gave you Indian Wells starts the Australian Open Series – we we have the Australian Open series, and we kept it where it was. So right. it so our calendar and the 2020 calendar would, or the 2021 calendar, if they uh, listen to us, would end at the same time for the Australian Open series, which would be um, January 20th to the third. Right. Right. Yeah. So that didn't change. So that basically it starts earlier, starts in November for our calendar, but uh, but it ends at the same time. So then what do we have? Oh, boy, let me tell you. <laughs> we just spent a little bit of time talking about it, but good. let me read some of these tournaments here on the WTA calendar. So February 10th, St. Petersburg Ladies' Trophy. I don't even know what that means, <laughs> and it seems almost offensive to call it Ladies' Trophy. It's like they just uh, – anyway, that's indoor hard court, which it's in Russia, so typically you're going to be indoors. Right. Is it ever warm in Russia? Uh, doesn't seem like it. 
All right. And then that same weekend. Not any of the Rocky movies I've seen. <laughs> so that prize money is 782, so almost 800,000. So then you have the same week, you have the Thailand Open, which is a hard court. Now we just finished hard. The next Grand Slam we have is, is clay in France. But then, not till June. And then in between that, we have a pish posh of whatever, including, oh, wait, there's another slam, the Sunshine Slam, <laughs> uh, where we play a Grand Slam on the sun. Is that what that is? <laughs> no. Well, we've already destroyed the Sunshine sl- Swing, right? as they call it, or the, uh, because we took uh, Indian Wells away. So then you go to the next week, the 17th, you've got uh, Dubai Duty Free, obviously in Dubai. And then you go to Hungary. Both of Which those, it looks like Dubai is like the ladies' equivalent of a master's. Yeah, it's 2.5 mil, and that's a hard court, and then Hungary is an indoor hard. And then the following week, the 24th of February, you have Qatar, a hard court, and then you go down to Mexico, to Acapulco, and that's a hard court. Right. Then March starts, March the first week in March, you've got uh, Lyon in France, a hard court, 250,000, and then you've got Monterey, and that's also a hard court. And then that, and then it leads you right into where in, uh, Indian Wells would have been in March 9th. Right. And then two weeks later, Miami Open. Well, and no offense to any of those individual events, but that's eight events you listed before Indian Wells. And could anybody not in the tennis industry, we are in the tennis industry, we still couldn't, name a significant match, moment, Last winner, winner. How about la- outcome, how anything. About any winner ever. That's what I'm saying. So that's eight four weeks of and again it means something to those players i get it but for our standards meaningless tennis doesn't lead to anything didn't right. didn't build from anything and when you say that that's sort of in contrast to what we just talked about <laughs> about the smaller tournaments and what have you right. but you can move you can move those tournaments around and dot them around the calendar do the same thing you're doing now Just right they're there if people want to play and play them well and i'm saying they're meaningless because of the context of where they are oh correct not, not just because correct not the events themselves right so uh, that's and and so that's the problem that we're about to fix and fix it are we so here's what we have done with our calendar every tournament we just mentioned up to indian wells including indian wells gone right now once again not gone we're not going to carpet bomb the areas. We're not going <laughs> to um, ha- have your dumb tournaments. I don't care what you do with them. Right. But they're not going to be part of this. Yeah. So what we have left, the end of the Australian, we have Miami Open, and then right after the Miami, Miami Open, kind of the French Open series kind of starts. Right. You've got Charleston. And then you've got Bogota. Yeah, at the very least, they all sort of go to clay. Right. Which makes it seem like at least leading to something. But but that's, you know, what that's... Right. So, all right. So now on the, on the other end of the spectrum is the French Open, which is May 25th. So Australia ends February 3 or 2. And the French Open starts May 25th. Right. So that's February, March, April, the end of May. So you're talking about three months and 25 days. Right. Right? 25 days. Three months and 25 days. I got an idea. Let's fit something in in between 
the beginning of the French Open series, which I would argue, if you count back from May 25th, you've got the 18th, which is Strasbourg. This is all women. Now, we, we can do the same thing on the men, but I don't bore you reading through, but I'm just... We've got Rome before that on the 11th, and back it up four. We've got Madrid. And we've heard of these towns and right. these tournaments. We know what we're doing. You know. But these are the bigger ones because they lead right. to the slam. So then before that, you've got smaller ones in Rabat, in Prague. And then you've got Istanbul and Stuttgart. Now, the beginning of April, April 6th, that's the Charleston and Bogota. There's like two weeks in between that and Stuttgart. And to me, the Stuttgart tournament should start the French Open Series. So April 20th, you've got the Porsche Tennis Grand Prix, which is Stuttgart, Istanbul, and then the following week, like I said, you've got Prague and Rabat, and then you've got Madrid, Rome, Strasbourg, French. Right. That's it. Yeah. So April 20th, Stuttgart starts the French Open. Now, we're going to fix the French Open Series. Don't worry. But that's what this calendar says, and we're not talking about the French Open Series yet. Yeah. So we'll adjust that, I think. However, that's what it looks like for our purposes. So now, what that leaves you with, to clarify, is you've got April 20th, the beginning of the French Open Series, and back that up to February 2nd to the end of the Australian. So that's February, March, and part of April. Two and a half months. Right. Okay? Two and a half months. And by the way, oh yeah, America... I would think is the biggest market for tennis. That's like some of the best weather in the country where people, meaning where people are getting interested in tennis. Right. Schools they're, they're, are playing, colleges are playing. Outdoors right. from hibernating. So like that's when I, for me personally, that's when I get the biggest interest in tennis outside of the, during the U S open, but it's that fall and spring. Those are the two biggest seasons. Right. Summer people are traveling. It's too hot, whatever. And again, not to play here. Right. But getting a populace of 300 million people in untold amounts of money right. and resources, uh, you get them up and about and out of their hibernation, and it's go time. Spring is sprung, and you're starting to think about sports. And, and our biggest sport is over, by the way, football, that yes. is over in February and March. Is that our biggest <laughs> So what does this all mean, that we have a gap starting February 3rd through mid-April? What could we possibly do? I tell you. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to Rio, baby. The drive for five is here. <laughs> the tennis revolution officially kicking off the drive for five. That's the fifth major in South America. Now, I don't want to call it the Rio Open because that sounds very... PlayStation-y. They're not allowed <laughs> to use any, you know, names of tournaments, so they have to have, use the cities. Right. And I think one of the games has had Rio Open before. <laughs> but we can call this South American Open. Right. Uh, I like that. We can call it whatever. And I don't even care if it moves around. It doesn't have to go to Rio, but bikinis and whatnot, you know. Um, yeah. So the fifth slam. Drive for five. I love that. What do you think? No, I think it's great. Of course you do. We talked about this multiple <laughs> times. I knew you did already. Well, and one of the fundamental flaws that I've always said in the tennis schedule is two hard court grand slams versus one clay grand slam. It that's a that's oh a, yeah we didn't even tell you of course as in South America it's going to be red clay obviously and, so we essentially have 
back-to-back hard court, even though it's the previous U.S. Open going into Australia, and now we'll have Rio, Paris. Come on! Yeah, and it, I mean, that's the... We've established that clay and hard are the two surfaces that matter in tennis. Grass is a little offshoot that has just Which been around. I don't want to kill. Right. I don't. And when we get to the Wimbledon series and we stretch that series out, we'll talk about it. Yeah, but I think having two clay too hard makes way more sense. Right. Just for the so, fairness, if nothing else. I hope everybody listening to this podcast at the beginning made it through the <laughs> boring first half. That was all just build up to get to this. Well, we also had to fill time, and we can't do it, you know, just on one subject. And right. we had to give a little bit of love to our local challenger. Did we? Uh, because you know, boring. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's why we're in here on a Wednesday, and we don't care because this week's tennis is we don't care. Right. Where we are all over the drive for five, and to call it a fifth Grand Slam sort of changes the meaning of Grand Slam because a Grand Slam is you get four <laughs> runs when you right. get a home run. The rest of the world doesn't play baseball. Well, that's not true. A lot do, but still. Yeah. But, but it, we're good. they rhyme. What else rhymes with five? I can't, you know. Yeah. Johnny five? <laughs> Johnny five. There you go. Oh, shit. I wish I would have thought of that. Nobody even knows that reference. You do. But Short circuit. Yep. Um. Where they had the whitest human being of all time playing Indian <laughs> character. It's uh, the mo- one of the most offensive that that's more one of the offensive most, than a poo yes you know why because that's so it the 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 what do you call it the metric between how offensive it actually is and how many people actually realize it <laughs> is like night and day well, and a poo is a, intentionally stereotypical right for right. yeah exactly sometimes well i think it's hyperbole for the purpose of right. comedy whereas that's just <laughs> that was supposed to be legitimate awful Anyway, neither here nor there. Hey, it was, but no, I have. It was no, the eighties. It was a different time. Uh, and again, part of us, part of this is fixing the problem in tennis, which is that the slams are overemphasized. So what do we do? Add another slam. If all we're going to care about is the slams, let's have five instead of four. Right, but I think by adding a slam, but also connecting a series to the slam, and again, if they give us the keys, making that series mean more in relation to the slam it's connected to then it makes sense then there's not a problem and the way i look at this calendar just in my head overall is a 10-month season two months per slam that that's just how i look at it if you did two months per slam and there's four slams you can't have four months off that's a little bit extreme right compared to what we've had i mean so i think because you're already gonna have a week off during each two-month period right anyway and players can skip a 250 within a series I right and you don't have to play every single tournament within a series all right so speaking of series so this is the for now we're going to call it the south american slam sass <laughs> in case you were wondering that's why i said shakira was a hint. south american open sal paulo she's from there you go she uh she is from um colombia right yes but I think she might have connection to Brazil too. I'm not sure. Her hips do anyway. <laughs> hey, that's her song. That's not me being I got objectified. It. I got her. it. She objectified herself all over the Super Bowl. <laughs> all right. Now, here's the fun part. Where does you already know the answer. You I can do. you can give it so you seem like you're smart. <laughs> where does No, it doesn't begin here. But what is the first big tournament to connect? to the SAS, South American Slam. 
So we're working our way across the globe. Going, sort of. Right. Well, going east, I guess. East well, from Australia. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And then... Uh, Even though we go, yeah, west, we go west from India. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, but we're working our way closer to Rio, put it that way. Right. Um, and it's the Miami Open, baby. I don't know where that's going to fit. Right. Because you're coming right off the heels. And again, here's the other thing is how far can we push back the French? Because we got to add another week to Wimbledon Yeah, um, to make it not nothing, to make it not a useless series. Um, but so I think we agree that Miami is a tournament we can't lose Miami, in the schedule. Miami is going to be part of and the anchor to the series for the South American Slam. Yeah. And it's going to switch to red clay. Right. Now... I got news for you, Miami. You already got clay down there because you got a lot of old people and they like <laughs> to play. I'm not kidding. They like I like to play on clay. So much easier on the joints. Um, so Miami's gonna switch to red clay, and then you're gonna be the anchor, not as in dragging it down to the bottom <laughs> of the ocean. Like I normally am. But steadying the South American slam in Miami. And so it'll be a, a ten day jam. And it'll be awesome, and it'll have that South uh, American flavor to it to go along with the series. And then we've got tournaments such as Monterey, Mexico City, Bogota. It's an eight-hour flight, by the way. Nice. Look at you doing research. Miami to Rio. Well, in, well, so here's what I have. Australian Open ends on the 3rd. You get shorter than anywhere to Australia, by the way. <laughs> right? Yeah, no kidding. So you uh, you have a week after that slam, so the fourth through the ninth, and then that tenth through the sixteenth of February. If we're using twenty twenty's calendar, you'd have that week open. And right. again, your goofy little you know international tournament or your, whatever. You're never going to draw the top players into those times because they're recovering from the slam. That, There's just nothing you can put there that's going to draw them in. Right. So you might as well just make it empty or things or, that Or don't. leave gaps for those other tournaments right. that the big players aren't playing anyway. Yeah. So then we start on the 17th with a 250 or an international. Then we have a 500. Then we have a 250 overlapping Miami. Because, again, not everybody can get into Miami, so you still want to have red clay for the 250 people. And it could even be the same, you know, uh, it could overlap with another tournament, right. you know, that's in the series with the other gender. I mean, all that, yeah. you know, and all that is to be determined, depending on which country in South America is on right. fire. We <laughs> won't have it there this year. Well, and you already listed some of the potential places that already have them. I mean, Monterey is obviously close. Acapulco right. is close. You know, so you've got some places that may not even have to change. Now, you know, so right now, Acapulco is a hard court. I get it. Uh, Monterey is a hard court, but that's fine. It doesn't matter. Uh, Miami can switch, but you've got Bogota, which is happening. That's right. already a clay. Um, you know, so, so some of the places already have events, and they're going to be much happier if their event ties into a bigger event. I would think. You you would think if you could connect them with importance to that grand slam then yeah for right. sure i well here's the other piece of our puzzle is it's not just a loose affiliation for fun 
it's also a financial commitment by the the major tournament for the series. So essential essentially the series is going to be under each series will be under the umbrella of and not just loosely like the US Open series. Right. I mean uh, under the umbrella of I think the tournament directors will answer to the Grand Slam as you know itself as well as to the ITF. Yeah. Uh and the ATP and WTA tours obviously are going to have something to say about it as well. Um, and we've already talked about how it how it's going to relate to ranking and seating, right? Right, potentially. I mean, right. we haven't worked out details or what have you, but yeah. So, um, and again, similarly, how we talked about Australia and all those different towns can just switch around each year on what what gender they have, what level of gender they have. Uh, you know, maybe a week or two difference if they want to flip flop here and there doesn't matter. It's the series of tournaments working together, and if they're under the same umbrella, now you've got flexibility within that series to do whatever needs to be done uh, to to make it all work. Well, and, so, and the one thing I like about this is we ramp up. You know, two fifty, then five hundred, then a thousand. It ramps up every week which is going to bring in more top players as it gets closer to the slam. Right. And really the only one that does that now, the French does an okay job of that with having Rome and Madrid kind of closer to the French. Right. But the U.S. Open series, even though it is a series, I feel like they're kind of just scattered. It goes 250, 1,000, 250, 500. That, you know, I like this buildup that this one has where, it, you know, because we're kind of starting from scratch, we could almost do whatever we wanted. Well, it seems like that the U.S. Open, I don't know that they ever really started the U.S. Open for any real reason except, Oh well, let's come up with a new fake promotion <laughs> right. type thing, and that'll get them. Right. And now they just do it, but they're really not following any sort of pattern. No, they just label the tournaments that are already there. Right. And said, "Oh yeah, you got to have the same surface and the same colors." Right. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> and they and they put U.S. Open in the name. Right. But yeah, there's no. So here, here are major cities that the smaller tournaments throughout the series could move around to, and then. Wait for it. I don't even care if they move around the South American Slam. So if you don't call it Rio Slam, uh, but the only reason I want to do that because that song. I, didn't know, <laughs> I don't know any other songs that have whatever. So there was no Caracas uh, song, right? Or, uh, so <laughs> Santiago. So, you, so as you mentioned, you have Rio, obviously a major city. You have uh, Sao Paulo, right? Another yep. pretty big. Now we will be fighting soccer down there for popularity. And actually, maybe in actual fights. <laughs> um, but at the same time, tennis is very popular and goes in waves based on, you know, uh, individual players. I mean, you can't tell me that Argentina is not out of their f- gourd for Delpo. Well, and, I was going to say, if Rio was able to host the Olympics, they can host a oh, sure. slam. Right. So we at least know they have the capability. Yeah. But then you've got, like I said, you've got, you know, Lima is a major mm-hmm. city in Peru. Um, you know, they had, I don't, uh, I'm assuming that Marcelo Rios, speaking of Rio, Rios was super popular at, at one point. <laughs> right. He was an idiot for a lot of his career, but <laughs> he was super popular. I'm sure tennis skyrocketed in Peru, but you can start moving some very important tournaments that matter, uh, to some regions in South America that would really help grow the game. Because right now, what is going on in South America? I mean, it's just a handful of clay court tournaments that no one goes to play except Thomas Mooster. And we've had Nothing. top, <laughs> we've had top Argentinian players for decades now, 
with no you know, nowhere to for the fans to come out. I mean, we've had Nalbandi and you've had Depotro, you've had Coria, you've had so many. You got Schwartzman now. You've had so many players. So there's obviously tennis academies and tennis things there. Right. So there must be interest. And you've got, I mean, Buenos Aires. How about that? That's a city you've heard of. Right. You put a big old tournament there, you know. Um, and here's another thing. So you've got, obviously, your series. But during your series, so the the South American Slam series, that is SAS, by the way. Um, <laughs> they're going to use that acronym. I know they are. <laughs> so, but you have to have the accompanying international level on the women's and the 250s right. and lower uh, connected to that on the men's. I know a lovely place every time of the year. How about the Caribbean? Yeah. It's directly up north of South America. It's right there. Right. And so you can save money on flights by taking a boat if you want to. And an easy sell to rich players to I mean, go to the Caribbean. Listen, I will say you got, you know, with Venezuela, you got you got an issue, right? You know, there's just a little <laughs> right. bit of turmoil right now, and that makes it tough. But if you have the flexibility to move tournaments around, then I think that does help solve that problem. And, and by having a co- cohesive series, it'll help do that. Well, and if you go through the current calendar, I bet there's about eight to 10 cities that are having issues right now that are already on the calendar. So yeah. I don't think that's a disqualifier necessarily. You just work with what you have that year. You yeah. know, Indian Wells is in LA. Have you been there lately? <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, I don't think that, I think, Moving it around gives you that flexibility. That's true, but I don't. I don't see that as being an issue. All right, so call in if you have any thoughts. Um, if you're from South America, I mean, don't call in. But tweet, we know you're in favor of it if you're from South America. Uh, tweet at us. Maybe number one, come up with a name that's better than South America Slam Series SAS. I kind of like it. But. <laughs> Um, but something that has as much gravitas as French Open, U.S. Open, right. Wimbledon. But again, why did they have gravitas? Because they've been around for a hundred years, right? Um, I mean, the French Open is not the most creative name, or the U.S. Open. Yeah. So South American Open. Hey, where is Wimbledon? At oh, Wimbledon. in Wimbledon. <laughs> That's right. Very creative. Uh, the championships. That's right. So anyway, I think that, uh. I can't tell you how much of a genius I feel like right now. <laughs> and Nadal would have 30 slams, as I've said, if this this happened 10 years ago. Well, we need to hurry and get it done because he's going to play for at least 10 more years. <laughs> and then he, can, then he can win. He'll be working on his 21st French Open and yeah. his you know seventh. Well, South and outside America. of the traditionalists, what is the argument against this? Because I don't see it. The only And argument, I am a traditionalist, by the way. Well, the only argument is... Number one, it's going to mess up the records. That's what I mean. Yeah. Do the math. Do do your slam count divided how many <laughs> by how many slams you well, played. And I, but I think you're seeing that with the Australian not being considered a slam. Right. That's a, that's why the top three slam winners are current right now. No one cares. Yeah. That forty years ago, nobody went to Australia. Yeah, take away Djokovic's eight Australians, and then he's in the run. He's competing with Sampras right now, right? You know, and and Nadal and Federer have less too. So I think that's already happened. And like you said, to me, it's almost like that's why that should only be a piece of the puzzle instead of the piece. And I think it is for you know more people that know what they're talking about, educated <laughs> tennis folks like ourselves. Yeah, well, and and our fans. Yeah, and the, the way the tour is going, 
there's not going to be, there's not, I mean, we, I guess we're I'm speaking too soon by saying this, but we don't actually have somebody threatening to win, you know, to break those records anytime soon. I mean, the nearest competitors, the top three are at like two and three. So I don't think we're going to worry about that for 10, 15 years. And they're years. all old. Right. They're not going to. So that rec- those records aren't going to be in doubt. You could have eight slams. It's not going to matter <laughs> for the next 20 years. But we're going to have one year with, all right, we're going to have 21 slams every two weeks. 21 different winners. It's a sl- It would be. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't think I see that as being the argument against it, but I don't see it as being valid. Right. Right now. Right. Yeah, because I don't care. I'm yeah. not. I'm not here to preserve anybody's record. Uh, well, and the I'm NFL here, doesn't. The NFL obviously doesn't care. They they're not right. going, they're to going to seventeen or 17, eighteen exactly. So you're going to have coaches that have won more games. You're going to have players that have won more games. Two thousand yard rushing for seventeen games or eighteen games compared to when somebody did it with fourteen games. I won't mention the. And murder. by the way, I won't mention the murder who did that. But <laughs> but by the way, that is. All they freaking talk about on the NFL. Well, his is, initials are O J, <laughs> but I'm not going to tell you who it is. But all they talk about is how he's got the most passing yards of any rookie, and his it's because they're playing you know two more games and the craziest offense right. that's ever offensive rules. So I mean that could be a boon for tennis, you know that you got people breaking records. Like God forbid we have people breaking records and we have something to talk about. Yeah, nothing is sacred nothing is pure and neither should it be yeah because nothing is it as it is today 30 years ago right 40 years ago 70 years ago 80 years ago how many black people were allowed to play tennis in america in 1953 right right yeah, so, so it's all changed it's like that old bit where it's like you know babe ruth will impress me when he was playing against satchel page right now to, you know yeah you, you, and you, so and the same Mark idea Court has 24 slams. Well, how many of those are Australians? Nothing is sacred. Right. So don't act like these records right now are pure just because you live now. Yeah. They're all they 20 years ago that group could have talked about why this rule change is going to taint that in this and that and then 20 years before the right. same. So uh, agreed. That's a terrible terrible argument. So we're preemptively telling you zip it. <laughs> Well, uh, so st- st- I don't know where it would start. Miami would be in there. Maybe start in Miami. I'm not sure if we, we push it, you know, one yeah. more gap between Australia and nothing. But I like I like having it maybe that third week with the first week being a 250, a 250 of five, and then a, a – Yeah, unless you're trying to fit two Masters in every slam, because I think there are 10 Masters tournaments now. Yeah, that's the only reason you would start with Miami. Otherwise, right? Well, we moved one to Australia. Yeah, one to Rio, and we don't want any of these just randomly placed Masters that mean nothing. So, right. we, so basically, we're saying five well, Masters and five Slams. No, we're having to get well, yeah, and we're getting rid of Paris as a right. Master. Sorry, Paris. You already have a, <laughs> well, that's what I mean. You already have a Grand Slam. So you got five back. Masters, five. So that'll oh, that'll reduce the the Masters records. You know, somebody will never win thirty Masters tournaments again. By the way, this entire argument's changing. When we add our six slam in Africa, <laughs> I'm not kidding. One per continent. It'll be a while. Yeah. Well, they don't have one in Asia. No, they, they count don't. Australia as part of That's Asia. right. I mean, continent is Australia really a continent? I mean, <laughs> technically, but it's like the side of the U.S. Right. All right. So that's the big news. That's the big announcement. The drive for five. Uh, if you're not on board, you're doing it wrong. That's right. Because this is the greatest idea since I don't know. I thought you were going to say sliced bread, like the. Super Bowl commercial or whatever it was. No. <laughs> um, no, I love it. I think, it, again, it, 
It's sad to say, but what reason do I have to watch tennis from February to May now outside of just catching a great match and seeing it? Oh, that was fun. And then it doesn't lead to anything. See, right now, here's a good analogy. No, I, dare I say great analogy. Watching the Australian Open. So Djokovic is trying to inch closer towards the big three, you know, uh, to be the top of the big three. Better and Nadal are fighting them off. Right. Some of the young guns are trying to, just one, try to prove <laughs> them, quote unquote, quote himself. Right. Um, not quote parentheses, him. Serena himself. trying to break the record. Well, I was going to get to the women. Okay, just checking. You know, because that's the only thing we have to talk about the men are those four players. Right. And then on the women's side, you've got, obviously, Serena trying to return to her, you know, all-time great form and, and get back in the win column. And you have the, you know, the kind of almost theirs that have won some, but they really haven't established right. themselves trying to. And all the all the young guns and amazing stories like Kennan, obviously, this year. You have all that going on at Australian Open, and you feel like you are watching exactly what you're supposed to be watching as it relates to a great sporting moment or right. a great sporting event. Now, the series that we've lined out would tie into that and connect to that and ultimately impact the results of that, and it's wonderful. This week, however, <laughs> I feel like I'm watching tennis players wake up in the morning, drink a cup of coffee, walk out to their 78 Buick, drive to work <laughs> and sit in a cubicle all day and shuffle papers around and fill out TPS reports. <laughs> That's what they're doing now. Office space reference. Now, I'm not saying that these players don't need the points, it's not the money, etc., but this is just work. There is no great sporting moment to be had in well, Bogota. When I was going to say all those no offense to Bogota. storylines you just mentioned, none of them exist for the next three months. And we, it doesn't matter if Medvedev and Tsitsipas win every tournament the next three months. We're still going to go into the French. And in the final, right. and Djokovic in the final of every one. It doesn't matter. We're still going to go into the French saying, okay, the big three have won the last 20 slams. Right. And It doesn't matter if Serena wins a match, right. a tournament. Right. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. Outside of just adding to their dominance, but you really can't add to it anymore at this point. So if we, f if we are able to restructure the season in, in, in the way we're talking about with five slams connected to their five series is here's what we've done we have sort of divided the football season into fifths and had five super bowls right in five regular season slash playoffs because really actually we've gotten rid of the regular season because the series is almost like the playoffs yeah it's really five playoffs and five super bowls but that's it yeah Maybe the 250s are like the regular season. Let's not get carried away. Here. <laughs> but the point being is, it's a sprint of excitement for each series right. and each slam. And then, of course, these players still need to go to the job site and they need to shuffle papers or... Well, I would say they need to more. No, but I'm saying there there's going to be tournaments out there that people don't qualify right. for these bigger ones and they need to go do that. But that's earning your right on to this level, yeah. to the series tour level. And if we had that every two months, we are rocking and rolling. Yeah. Yeah, I just it just makes sense from a scheduling standpoint. It makes sense from a competitive standpoint. Oh, so it, nobody will do it. 
so yeah, it's uh, I feel like there's just too many events right now that are just they're just there. They don't mean anything. And they do to individuals, but and I, they do to locations. I'm not an individual's coach, and I'm not worried about one town having a plaything so people can go see potentially right somebody they might see on TV in six months. That's well, ultimately what you're getting. And the prime example is if they scheduled a scrimmage tomorrow with the Chiefs and the 49ers, the Super Bowl was watched by 102 million people. That would be watched probably by 2 million people because it doesn't mean anything. So it, it's not even the players that matter. It's what does it mean? What is it for? What is it building to? You know, that That's why the Super Bowl is the most watched. It's that it's the pinnacle. Right. Um, we could have five pinnacles. Right. But but and the playoffs are built to that pinnacle. Right now we don't have the playoffs to build the pinnacles as it is now. Not much. Right. It loosely sort of can be construed as yeah. but not officially a playoff series. So, so that's why I'm in favor of it. We've solved it. We've yep. solved it all. We've saved tennis for the next fifty year to a hundred years. <laughs> I'm not kidding. No, if, they, if they restructured it in this way, guess what? Individual tournaments are going to be mad because they're going to lose their spot in the calendar. They're going to lose their relevance. They might lose their tournaments altogether. I get it. Send hate mail to Corey <laughs> at TennisRevolution.com. Yeah, on Twitter. You can find him. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't matter. For the good of the game overall, we can't keep going like this. Right. They have no idea. It's, it's going to happen. And eventually, they're going to have to come crawling to us with the keys in their hand and say, now fix it, that we've run it off the cliff. Right. But men's tennis in particular, when the big three go, it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, because you don't have the the only thing that's drawing people in right now are the players. And I, listen, this might be an American-centric you know, perspective. Yeah, I know. But I'm sorry. We have the most money in the world. Right. Now, tennis isn't the most popular, but just think if it... if if Tennis increased in popularity 15% in the U.S. Do you know what that means for prize money for the entirety of the WTA and the ATP Tour? Yeah. Well, less for the WTA (laughs) because they get paid less. I'm kidding. (laughs) Equal prize money for Hundreds of millions. Yeah. But easily, everything increases. Yeah. And and I think having... And by the way, this whole playoff notion and all this business of having a set season, this is not American. I mean, the English Premier League has a season. They don't playoffs, but they have a season. Right. You know, rugby has a season. I don't even know. Yeah, they don't just ske- – I mean, if they schedule games, again, they're called friendlies, and people don't care care nearly as much as they do And when they don't matters. even put all their players in a lot of the time. Right. Well, that's the same as with tennis tournaments. We're, like, we're not putting all our players in those. They're just making their own decision instead of the team. I think we have solved it, and I have zero hope that any of this is going to happen. <laughs> but, but at least whenever it does, we can. Well, have here this. here's what I think: a couple of things could come together to make this happen. Number one, the tennis not community is not the right word because I'm sure this group is not connected in any way. But the South American tennis community plural, I guess, communities <laughs> could somehow interact. Right. Um, Which you know, never happens. Well, you know, federations, apparently everybody in South America hates Brazil. <laughs> Some of the South American countries hate each other. Right. 
but most of them speak Spanish. Brazil, Portuguese is very close to Spanish, so at least they can communicate. And I'm sure they all speak English. They just need to get together and, and really make a push. And call us. We'll help. Right. We'll help. The other side is apparently corruption is rampant in South America. <laughs> but guess what? They still have the Olympics every year. Right. And they still have World Cup every four years. Uh, and they don't have Olympics every year. They have it every <laughs> two years. But you know what I mean. Um, yeah, so not, no Winter Olympics in South America, I don't think. Even corruption can be overcome. Um, or at least you can just deal with it. So uh, that's the number one thing is those federations that have get, get together and get on board and make a unified push for what? Drive for five. You got it, baby. The other thing, we don't have a Guga right now because Delpo's broken. Right. And he's the superstar. I'm sure he's still a superstar, even though he yeah. can walk and move his arms. <laughs> but we do have players all throughout the rankings that are from various South American and, incidentally, Central American countries. Right. Because they're going to be part of this. Yeah. Um, and so you, you can say from Mexico <laughs> all the way down to the – to Argentina, we can, you know, get federations together. So the drive for five. So now the players get on board. I mean, obviously, a lot of those players at all different levels of rankings would be 100% behind uh, a fifth slam in on their continent. Well, and the, the players... I mean, many players are Better making their vote, no. <laughs> many of their players are making their year's prize money in the slams. So you know, or fifty percent of their prize money in the slams. So they would love to have a fifth slam. Yeah. So and and then you know, I mean, you would have to overcome the three big dummies. In this right. case, the big three are the big three dummies. Well, Nadal would be in favor of it. Maybe, <laughs> but but I mean, he's done. He's not right. gonna be. You know, it's not gonna get him put in place in a year. Yeah, he's gonna say if I couldn't get it when I played, I don't want it now. Right. So <laughs> who knows? Um. So, but the lower level players, because I think the way they tier it out, like, you know, the top 10, the 20 to whatever, they have different voting blocks that are represented. Oh, really? And so the voting blocks from like 50 down should be all for it. Right. Um, again, more money generated overall adding, because I don't think you're taking the same money and spreading it, you know, to more people. No. I think you're adding a whole new economic engine right to the tennis business industry to the tennis tours um so uh you know well even looking at this i mean now of course it doesn't have the australian open prize money listed i was hoping it did uh on this calendar but it's got to be near 100 million if not more oh um, grand total right. prize money yeah and if know. you add up all the last you know eight tournaments we just listed you know it's like 10 million or less right total, so yeah. i mean you uh, there's and that's not even counting our series. We're just talking about the slam itself. Right. So, because a series events would stay the same prize money. So you're just adding in a, a $100 million event in there. Right. Yeah, out of nowhere. So, in any event, and then obviously if there's any major sponsors that, you know, wanted to be uh, involved, obviously throwing tons of money around helps everything. Yeah. Uh, but and it's hey, not going to start like Wimbledon. It's obviously got to build. Maybe. I mean, who knows? I mean, when's the last time a Grand Slams got started? Right. You don't know. Right. So uh, it's a whole different ball game. Certainly, I, I would think maybe you would start the restructuring process of the calendar with maybe Rio as a Masters. Right. First year Masters. In the, you know, so maybe have Miami on the front end and then Rio on the back end. And then three or four years in of success and um, no corruption. <laughs> Some corruption, but not a lot. <laughs> And then, you know, and then it just, it gets upgraded. But here's right. the thing. 
the ITF can just deem it into existence. Right. It's their tournament. Yeah. So they can just wave their magic wand and say, boom, there's another tournament. What makes it a Grand Slam? Nothing except the <laughs> amount of points and amount of prize money. Right. Now, you got to coordinate with the players, obviously. You don't want people striking. But, hey, again, once again, if the top 10 players strike, do it. Yeah. Do it. I don't care about you. I don't care about you. I care about tennis. Right. Beat it. It's like the NFL's got a great, you know, saying, you know, protect the shield. No no players bigger than the shield, the NFL symbol, the shield. Yeah. You know, uh, more people in this business need to have that mentality. There's nothing bigger than the shield. Well, plus they're starting from zero, so whatever they make is the bonus. Well, right. You know, you're not losing money. You're not going to lose money on the event. So that's the other people that have to be behind at the ITF, which I think they would. I can't imagine why they wouldn't. Right. I can't imagine why they wouldn't. Uh, and they're the ones that ultimately can throw their weight around. Because, again, they control the four slams and Davis Cup and well, Fed Cup. And they seem to be pretty happy with the changes that Davis Cup made. So we know now they're at least willing to make change. Right. Or they see the benefit to making change. Drive for five, baby. <laughs> I like it. Well, call in. Call in um, or just contact us if you want to, because whatever happens, we are certainly on that committee. Right. I mean, it's our idea. <laughs> what if they announce tomorrow that they, <laughs> they're adding a slam in Rio? Right. Oh! Right before our, it gets, gets uh, published. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, this doesn't, yeah. So anyway, all right. That's the big news. I'm excited. I mean, I not wish too bad it's not happening, but I'm excited. I wish for you the had possibility. Twi- I wish you had Twitter so you could just see the flood of tweets <laughs> in support and praise of this idea because uh, they're coming. Um, all right, not just for this podcast, generally or specifically, but also generally, of course. Even when we don't have good ideas, uh, share every episode. Uh, I usually tweet out and Facebook out uh, the links and what have you. So um, please share those. And uh, obviously, more especially now, because the Drive for Five is here now. And That's right. So, so get that out there, because I think it's a great idea, and I think it's huge. Could be hugely uh, beneficial for the sport that you hopefully you must love it because you listen to us. So clearly, you have some love for the sport, uh, just like we do. So, all right. Anything else? I think that's it. All right. Um, tennis Rev Pod on Twitter. Tennis Revolution Pod uh, on Instagram. Uh, just Tennis Revolution um, fan page on Facebook. Don't email us off of any website because <laughs> all I get is like insurance scams. And Unless you have a good uh, financial opportunity, then send it. Yeah. I've, uh, well, yeah, it's going to have to be pretty. I've been getting financial opportunities in the $15 million range, so you better come strong. Um, I don't know why I haven't taken advantage of all. I'd be a, I'd be a quadrillionaire. You're making more than that in the podcast. That's a good point. You don't need it. That's a good point. Um, but yeah, so follow all those, uh, mediums. And then when you do see something come across, share it, forward it, retweet it, re Facebook it, re Instagram it, whatever <laughs> people do on those things. Uh, or in Corey's case, <laughs> write, do nothing. It, write it down, put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it and mail it to somebody, <laughs> I guess. Um, and, uh, I guess until next time, thanks for joining the revolution. Bye guys. Drive for five. <laughs>